Hey everyone, this is Dennis Nafty coming at you. We are here with Joey Cola, and we are on our first episode of You're Not That Effed Up. Yes. And uh, we are so excited to uh, have you here, Good Joey. Good to be here with you, man. And, I, uh, uh, I love you, and uh, we've worked together. And I had a blast. So when he asked me to do this, I was super excited. So, oh well, it's an honor, and pleasure to have you. If you don't know Joey Cole, he's been on Letterman. He's been doing comedy for thirty-eight years. He's opened up for uh, shows Rachel Ray, Murphy Brown for over twenty-five years, and uh, yeah. he's one of my favorite, favorite comedians. Any chance I get when he's performing in the area, I love to go and Thanks, bring man. people. Thank you. It I is so much fun. It. So. Um, yeah, we just wanted to talk about, I mean, the main goal is uh-huh. for people to know that they're not that effed up, man. That, that That's right. That, that they're not that effed up because we're all effed up. That's right. Um, and I like to say the, the whole world is wounded, man. Yeah. Everybody is wounded somehow. And it's, and it's letting people know, look, we're not, nobody's perfect. Nope. And uh, that's what makes it beautiful. Yeah. So the way that they are, the things that they think that are wrong with them is the things yeah. that make them beautiful. And exactly. we all have those, you know, thoughts and doubts yeah. about ourselves, but we want people to know that, hey... Every successful person, every person out there, all these success stories that we see, yep. and you go on social media and you see people's highlights and you compare them to your lowlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want them to know that, hey, um, you know, they had those same thoughts. We all have them. I've had them. Yeah. And doubts and and insecurities, but mm-hmm. uh, through association, through getting around the right people, there's right. there's ways to overcome it. So right, I, it's exactly. But I want true. them to know those thoughts because sometimes they think they're alone. And it's a lonely place, and they think they're the only ones that feel like that. So Right, and that's what uh, you want to do with this podcast, absolutely. basically. Uh, the, the goal would be to help people emotionally, and maybe even physiologically, because when your mind is good, your physical body gets good, you know? And maybe uh, spiritually also, right? Is that where you want to go with this? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And one of the biggest ways to kickstart that is physiology, right? If you yeah. start smiling, you automatically feel better, that's which exactly is right. why yeah. I love comedy, yeah. because if yeah. I'm down, one of my inspirations always is to watch comedy, and that kind of yep. brings me back up and gets me happy again and gets me kind of moving. Hey, so. laugher is like having an orgasm, man. Yeah. There have been studies that say... <laughs> It's like it's better than that sometimes. Yeah. It you know just usually mean? lasts a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully if it's done right. <laughs> good man, good. So Absolutely. So I don't know where wherever we want to start. We didn't have a well, plan. We're just kinda yeah, ad lib and that's right. We'll just go in a direction and I'll tell you I, I could start from the beginning with me that I was born with my legs backwards. My legs were backwards when I came out of the out of my, my mother's womb and uh, I had to wear braces the first four years of my life. And there's been times when I was younger that my parents were told by various doctors, you better invest in wheelchairs because this kid's not walking. Wow. And so there's, there's I think there's like one or two pictures of me as a baby with the with the braces on. They had actually had to break my legs and make me flat foot. I have no arches. I'm like Fred Flintstone feet. So um and I I had that leg pain my whole life and my legs are not not like like would you would call normal legs. I still have pain, you know, now in them. So um so yeah, I, I had a struggle from from the get go. Boom, you know, you were behind the eight ball. And when I came out with walking, then when I was nine, I grew up in Bayshore, and we had a wooded area like we are now at your place. And um, there's ticks, you know. So I have a vendetta against ticks now because I had Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever when I was nine, and I had a hundred and five fever for six days. They wrote me off as dead. I was at Southside Hospital. They thought I had pneumonia because they didn't know what Ro- on Long Island. They didn't know what Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever was. I was like the only case. I actually made the paper and everything. And then they uh, luckily my father had just happened to put his hand on my head, and he's like, "What is this?" And he looked, and there was this bug sticking out of my head. And they didn't know to burn it out or vaseline it out. They just grabbed it with tweezers and pulled it out. Well, the head lives on. 
and the head infected me. So it brought my resistance down and my, my joints to this day are still messed up. And I did get pneumonia after that. And I was kind of a sickly kid. I got, I was anemic and my blood was messed up. I had to drink, like eat steaks and drink like How long was blood. this tick in there? We don't they know. They were doing all these tests. I yeah. mean, before he found it, we don't know. They just thought it was pneumonia. It made, like I said, it made the paper, and we had to go to many different doctors. Major league antibiotics, so that banged me up. So, um, just to get back to what you're saying, we're not so also effed up. Even if you are a little, what you could, would call effed up, you can come out of it. You yeah. know what I mean? If yeah. you had that, like, because I said when they said invest in wheelchairs, I said I'm walking. Uh, you know, so I mean, you, there are situations where you know physically, if you don't have legs, you you, you can't walk in that situation. Where you get a prosthetic, you know. So mentally, you use your mind and your heart and your soul. You know, when we had family parties, my uncle Ralph would play guitar, and he'd hand my he'd play hand the guitar to my cousin Timmy, and my brother would sing, and this one would sing, and who would do what. So I knew early on when little Joey, four year old, would tell a joke. Um, I got the attention of my uncles and aunts and uncles. I was, wow, they're paying attention to me, so I'm going to be funny. And I, they, my, my uncles and aunts and my parents singing and letting me tell jokes and perform at family functions, whether it be a Christmas party, Thanksgiving, or whatever, um, I got the attention that way. And I knew early on that um, not only do I get attention, but I make people happy by making them laugh. And that's when the seed was planted for me. And you found that significance in your life, right? Because we're all, we all want to be significant. Significance is the greatest word. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great word to use. And we yeah. want to find our value and, and that yep. attention. And you found it through comedy. Yep. And you said, this is it. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, because I realized uh, not everybody can do it. Because I was a person who really couldn't do it. And I didn't think that I could do it. I wasn't the class clown. The class clown was a friend of mine. The class clown runs across the football field naked. The class comedian is the guy who talked him into doing it. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. So um, I was the class clown. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. There's a lot of attrib good attributes about being the class clown, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, I got attention that way, negative attention, because I uh -huh. needed attention, right? Yeah. So yeah. I got it through, you know, disrupting my teachers and, you know, they, they definitely, I gave them right. a hard time. And From that is showing your vulnerability. When yeah. you're a good actor or a good comedian, you don't care if people see you naked. Yeah. You don't care about what other people oh, think. I definitely didn't care if yeah. people saw me naked. And that's why I respect you greatly because <laughs> you you have, you have everything's out there with you. You're yeah. honest with people and people see that. And that's why you are, you in particular, are very relatable. I you know, that. people want to be on your team. Yeah. I want to be on your team. You know why? Because I see you. Because there's a lot of bull in the world. You know what yeah. I mean? People are fake this and fake that and just trying to sell you something. Yeah. But when you talk to a guy like you, you, you let us see behind the curtain. You, we see the wizard behind the curtain and we realize that that wizard is, um, again, not effed up. Yeah. Not, not as effed up as you think. He's one of us. Yeah. So. Yeah. And... and um, I just want people to know I'm a regular. I'm a regular person, man. I was voted most dazed and confused in Long Beach High School <laughs> yeah, in 1999, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know I did a lot of things I'm not proud of, as everybody did. Everybody. And a lot of mistakes yeah. that I made, and um, I just realized, hey, we're just we're normal people. But because of the people I surrounded myself, the friends that I had, yeah. the mentors that I found, right. people that were able to you know instill values into me, and of yeah. course also me finding my faith and not looking to push faith on anybody, but you know that's where you find a there lot of self worth when you know yeah. who made you and that. Uh, yep. We don't have to be perfect. That's that's where I find that, my faith. Is that's that exactly. relationship, same as you, not into organized religion, but having that relationship and knowing, hey, you don't have to be perfect. I love you the way you are. Like any yeah. father would love their kid regardless of what they did. There doesn't matter is. who they are. You're going to love them no matter what. Yeah. And the love doesn't have expectations, which actually brings me to 
one of those things is I think um, a lot of people that I met there, a lot of people I've talked to, a lot of the issues and self-confidence and self-image and self-love that they don't have stems from stuff that happened in their childhood. Exactly. And, and not parents didn't have bad intents. They didn't know any better. It's the right. way they were raised. It was a much harder generation. Or it's just circumstances that happened yeah. that people got put into the grinder. You know? Yeah, and I feel that they try and um, they think they're only going to get love if they perform. Because right. that's how it was when they were a kid, right. right? They got they got the B, but why didn't you get the A? Or they got right. the A, why didn't you get the A plus? Right. You scored a goal, why didn't you score two? Yep. And then that makes them think I'm not loved unless I perform. And then right. later in life, they set themselves up because if they don't want to fail at anything, so then yeah. they don't try. And I like to think of it as I, I have a plaque in here somewhere that says, right. "What would you attempt to do if you knew you wouldn't fail?" But I actually like to change it now. Is what would you do if you knew nobody would knew you would fail? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think the fear of failure is really the fear of what you Let, think that person who's would important think. to you would think of you. Right, yeah. So, I mean, where do you where do you feel? I feel everybody probably has that in their childhood somewhere. Everybody. That, everybody. That and when you mentioned mentors before, and that's the thing. I mentor people, but I was mentored in the right way. And people say to me, who are your, who are your influences? I say three Richies and a Dom. Richard Pryor, <laughs> Richie Minavini, Richard Jenny, who are great comics, and Dom Herrera. You know what I mean? They were comedians that I watched and made me laugh hard, and I wanted to end emulate yet pull a little bit of that to make each ingredient to make my soup Absolutely. you know and use that to deal with whatever problems I was going through at the time you know and my struggle too because at a young age you know I lost my mom in a car crash one of the one of the one of the turning points in my life was a very intense situation so besides the health issues that I had I came along as a comedian in 1986 I got to work the comedy stop at the trap and my girlfriend came with me who is my wife now she was my girlfriend at the time oh. and it was my first big road gig and really recognized by my relatives and my parents yeah. that hey he's working in Atlantic City now he, this might be a legitimate thing because when you're a stand up comedian they go alright how long are you going to do that for when are you going to get a real job how how well can you do in this you know in this field and I said I'm all in so I went to I went I was working at an Italian bread factory when I was uh, going to college then I was going to college CW Post Suffolk Community College and then I would uh, change in the car and that's how bad I wanted it and go to these comedy clubs at night mm. until I made a little bit of a name for myself well I went to Atlantic City did the comedy stop at the Trap my parents came to see me we, uh, they stayed, they watched the show, and then the next day we had breakfast, we walked the boardwalk, we had some ice cream, they got in a car and they went home. I get dressed, have dinner with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time again, they put me up in a nice condo and I was proud. It was those condos that are on the angle at the end of the boardwalk, <laughs> and Dolly Parton was above us and Frank Sinatra was below us, and I was like, three comics in this condo, and I was like, wow, I'm really gonna, I'm making it now, you know what I mean? This is 86. Anyway, we go to the club, and I'm emceeing, I was the yeah. MC, which is the lesser role, you only do 15 minutes and it's a middle act and a headliner. So I go up, I do my 15 minutes, I come off stage, I bring up a ventriloquist, we get a call to the backstage, your parents were in a car accident, one of them might be dead. We're not sure, you gotta come home. It was my mother-in-law, who became my mother-in-law calling the club owner. So I get that, and at the same time, I hear in this year from the middle act, the ventriloquist, Ladies and gentlemen, that's my time. Welcome back, Joey Cola. No. So now I gotta jump back oh, on stage man. and look at the seats that my parents were in the night before and do five more minutes about my mother waking me up in the morning to find out what time I had to get up. I went on automatic pilot, I did that time, brought up Adam Leslie, who was a comedian, the headliner. I brought him up, jumped backstage. My wife said, let's go back to the hotel, pack, 
drove. Then my mother-in-law said that my brother said, don't go to the hospital. It was on 110. It was Brunswick Hospital. Don't go to the hospital. Things are really bad. Just come home. Everybody's at the house now. Relatives, friends. A million people are at my father's house. So instead, I went to the hospital. I saw my mother in a coma. She was alive, but her eyes were going and tubes coming out of everywhere. Blood. Her head was split open. And I and and, and I was my thought. My world was over because my mother was my rock. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I didn't I didn't come from people putting me down. Like my parents supported me a lot. Yeah. Like they used to call me the angel of anxiety. So when I came home from a gig, I in the middle of the night there'd be a note on my on my like my bedroom door. We love our angel of anxiety in my mother's handwriting, you know? Wow. Thanks, keep on going, keep on going. Anyway, she waited kind of I when she, I don't know what made her wait, but she um she died the next day when the coma it came out of the coma and died. And my brother and I had to bury my mom without even telling my dad who was up a couple floors because if he would have told him, he might have died. Oh. So we had to bury him. And then, and, and then afterwards, I didn't go on stage for a while. Now, at that point, I was just an MC, yeah. and, and people would say, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? I said, I can't sleep. Bring me NyQuil. I was drinking three, four bottles of NyQuil a night because oh. I was like, my mother's dead. Where am I going from here? Oh. The comedy thing is over. Everything is over. Then, then what happened was I was surrounded by relatives and friends, but a good friend of mine, his name is Steve, Steve O, not the jackass guy. His, he's now, with, now his name is Steve Oaks, actually. He's got, he took my audition on Star Search, which was hosted by Ed McMahon. And, wow. and he, uh, he took my audition and got the show. So he says, listen, you haven't been on stage in two or three months. You're going down the tubes. You're come, I'm paying. You're coming with me to coach me out in California on Star Search. You're going to be my coach. I said, all right, dude. So I went with him. Then he beat Martin Lawrence. He beat Jackie Martling. Wow. And then he made it to the semifinals and then lost. We had two other friends out there. Richard Jenny, who was big on HBO at the time, and John Mulroney, who hosted Comic Strip Live. They had a big apartment on Sunset Boulevard. So after we lost and got out of the hotel, they said, stay with us. So um, I stayed with those guys. They got a gig in the San Bernardino Valley at the Quality Inn. It was a black audience, and I came with them. I couldn't get on stage at that point because I still had my mother in the in the bed yeah. in my head. So um, what happened was they brought me with them, and uh, John Mulroney uh, surprised me, and he goes, uh, he says, oh, I got a friend in the audience. He's going to do five minutes. Welcome, Joey Cola. Now, I'm a young comic. I only have 10 minutes, 15 minutes to my name, yeah. and now I'm still stressed out. But I went on stage and I was on automatic pilot. I said, all I got is my balls and my act at this point. Yeah. Let me let me just do. So all I did was blah, 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 blah to a back black audience. I didn't kill, but I didn't I didn't bomb. I held my own. Yeah. And when I got off stage, these three guys, these three grown men that were seasoned, hardened road comedians, were all crying. And they're like, see, you were going to kill yourself, you son of a bitch. And now those people don't know your problem. Yeah. They don't know what happened to your mother. You just told them a story of your act and you made them laugh, even though you're going through all this trauma. Yeah. Called my wife, who's my girlfriend, and I said, listen, I'm not going to hurt myself. It's going to be good. Then I called Richie Minavini, who owned the East Side Comedy Club at the time. And I said, Richie, I'm coming back. I'm okay. He says, you're going to work out at my club. I don't care if Jackie Mason's on a Saturday night. I'll pull him off to let you get back on track. So that's what I did. I came back and I wrote like crazy. I worked hard and I only middled. I was only a middle act, you know, a feature act for like three months. I became a headliner right away. Now I cannot explain what came over me to bring me to this level. Yeah. Because I either said, I said to myself, you're either going to die or you're going to go to this level. Hmm. And something came in me and took me over and I went to that level. At the same time, 
I was getting mad. I wanted to get married, my wife. I wanted to get a house, and I had dreams and goals. Yeah. You know, so there's only one way to attain this, and that's throw yourself in full vulnerability, full open up this can and let that come out. Yeah. You know, and it happened, and that's who I. That's that's the beginning of why I am who I am right now. Wow, that is that is some story. That's incredible. Intense, and, right? And that's super intense. I can't believe it. I mean. Um, and not to dig in and try and open wounds and stuff, but oh no, I'm good. During that time, yeah. it had to be a dark time, right? We we, dark. Hear, we hear the story and it happened in 30 dark. seconds dark. in the explanation, but I'm sure it was a long period of time. It yeah. was like you said, Nyquil, sleepless nights. Yeah, up those nights must have felt like forever. And it turned out my father was epileptic, so after we buried my mom and he healed, he got into another car crash. After that, a oh. year later, while he's in the hospital, I'm talking to him like I'm talking to you. He has an epileptic fit, and I scream. I go, "Help!" My foot. His eyes rolled back in his head, and he was oh. all banged up. The nurse, this nurse, comes running over about his age, picks him up bodily, throws him in the thing, calls a code. Boom! They they helped. They took his tongue out of his mouth, and they healed him. He wound up marrying that nurse. She's my stepmother now, Carol. Oh. She lives in Florida. Sent by God, dude. Sent by God. It was just an amazing... You can't explain certain things that happen. You just got to be open to it and let it come in. And some people are just not open to it. For whatever reason they want to hide, that's where they stay. You can have a whole life of being hidden. Or, Or you can be shown some things for whatever reason certain people are shown and certain people aren't. And then you go, oh my God, I can't believe I know this. And then you could share it with certain people, like yeah. you, you were alluding to before. If someone wants to know, people like you and I are ready to tell them. Yeah. But if they don't want to know, there's sometimes there's no way you can get into them. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes it worse to say that to them. Yeah. So I'm trying to do it through laughter. Absolutely. I appreciate that so much. And Thanks. What was, you know, this is that moment. Someone's listening they're having those thoughts. Yeah. What were some of those thoughts that were going on when you were down? Well, what that, was, I, that I get what first. What were some of those dark thoughts? Well, it's your mother. It's your, it's your worst nightmare come come yeah. true. I'm, I'm 24, 25 years old, whatever I was. And I, I was like, my parents were always supportive. My father was the not only my coach in Little League, he, he was the president of Bayshore Brightwater's Little League. Always feeding, always coming home early to hit the ball to the boys. Always playing with us in the pool. My mother always cooking, teaching us yeah. to cook. Always loved. My mother was... Um, Sometimes this is hard for me to talk about because yeah. it's deep. If you were a newspaper boy and you came to my house in the winter and, and it was cold and you didn't have a hat, you left with a hat. Wow. And yeah, she think took about care of that. Everybody. everybody was her kids. Yeah, everybody. So it doesn't it doesn't matter color, gay, straight, white, black. No matter what religion yeah. you are, nothing. It did not. It it did not matter. Yeah. You were taught to help. That's the golden rule. There's two rules after the. You know, after the, the Genesis, the, the, the Old Testament, it was there was ten commandments. Yeah. Then Christ came in and said, "You know what? You can't even do the ten. He looked at us <laughs> and he went, "You guys can't even do the ten I gave you. I'm it could have been a hundred. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two. <laughs> so, and the two is keep him and then treat each other like you want to be treated. That's yeah. all you got to do. And my parents instilled that in me early. And I was like, at first, when you're a young kid and testosterone is flying everywhere, wow. you're like, you know, you want to get laid, you want to make money, blah, 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 blah. you want to be cool, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a certain point in your life that if you're smart enough, you realize that going after being cool is not what you should be going after. Yeah. And that cool comes, right? It yeah. cool comes this way. Yeah. You know, it, when you're fighting to be cool, it comes this way. 
you know? And I learned that early, and I just didn't care. I said, and it's cool me- to who? If you, if you keep that first commandment, if you're cool to the right person, then well, you're the automatically going to be cool to everybody. God, family, career, then, you know, like yeah. that. Yeah, the golden rule. I always think of it right. It's, it's do on, do unto others as you do unto yourself. But yeah. I like to add one little thing to it: is is do unto others as you do unto yourself, even and regardless of what they do to you, right? Because it's easy to be good to people when they're good, right? But when someone cuts you off and we turn into that animal and and we want to cut them back off, that's that moment of I'm still gonna do unto them. You know your stuff, dude. You know, um, most people are insatiable because you give them this and they want more, more, more. They want more, 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 more. And I'm I'm in show business where. I'm at the level where I know people who have, I know billionaires, and you do too, but they, they're insatiable. They just, you can't, and then once they get the money, then they want to, bah, 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 I'm going to have fun, and then it is going to make me feel good, and blah, 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 and they never get to it. The stuff's not going to make you happy. I, 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 I try and talk about that all the time, and you know, we have stuff, and I've been in it, and the cars, and the house, and the stuff, but at the end of the day, I go, you can take all this. I'm done with material when things. When I see my kids and yeah. their smile... And their giggle is probably my favorite sound in the entire world. It's a kid's world. giggle. I can tickle them all day long. Can't explain it until, you, until you're in that situation. You can't explain and it. And I think that's where people have challenges because they, they, they link their happiness to something they're shooting for. Like, I'll be happy when. And yeah. if you're saying, I'm going to be happy yeah. when, yeah. you're setting yourself up We're all up here for, for a half hour. Yeah. because All you know, of us are here for a half yeah. hour. That's that house is not going to make you happy, that car. No. You can enjoy it. It brings yeah. enjoyment, but it's yeah. not going to fulfill you. Momentarily, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's why, why people I, are successful. You know, yeah. end up end up committing suicide or unhappy, even though it looks on the outside like they have everything. Um, instead of just being in their pursuit every day of their potential and, yeah. and doing doing what they love. And you just got to dig a little bit. You just yeah. got to dig a little bit, and you'll find it or give over a little bit. That's why I raise butterflies. I plant plants. I feed birds. Simple. I keep my life yeah. simple. Simple. You in particular guide. Um, I. It's like you have a flock, and I've seen it firsthand. I've seen how powerful it is. And I've seen how positive it is. And if you could lead people in uh, a direction like you do, I, to me, that's that's what it all about. What it's all about. Some people lead one or two people. Some people lead like a flock of thousands, like you have. Yeah. And um, that's one of the reasons why when John Anthony told me to come here and I want to sit with you, you were a guy who was like, "Wow, this guy's got this. This is a guy." And it's like one out of every couple of thousand that you see that really are that take the bull by the horns. Type of thing, and whether it's a, a train of thought, which, uh, whichever way you're going with thinking, or if it's a, if it's a business move, you know, yeah. because you still kind of gotta if you want to take care of other people, you still kind of got gotta um, stay on top of your 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 business world. And usually, if you have a good uh, foundation, that comes. Yeah. You know. Well, we just adopted. You know, for us, the biggest thing and our, our our foundational motto is just people before profit. Always remembering to put people first, and if you always yeah. put people first. You'll always you'll always end up being successful. Maybe maybe not as financially as you thought that you could have done this and made more money. Right. But you'll be successful within and and have that peace because you know anything. you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Whether well, you own a pizzeria or whatever. Success. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Um. And and I like to just teach people. Look, we're human before anything. It's you yeah. know, and that's the challenge with with I I believe the world. Every everybody's trying to find a side, mm. and they don't want to. Uh, find the, the beauty in the other side it's we're supposed to collaborate we're not supposed to agree on everything that's what that's what brings right. up better ideas that's right what you're supposed to be challenged and right and um the challenge is when one one idea wants to harm another idea right so even if i believe in one thing with this person if, right if they're looking to harm someone else for who they are i'm human before i'm aside what what people and don't I want realize to defend that 100 whatever side you're on yeah everything in life is temporary because we are temporary 
And whether it's a bullet, a bus, a gunshot, OJ jumping out of a bush and stabbing you, you're going to be gone. <laughs> you're going to be gone soon. Yeah. So you could feel strongly about that now, yeah. but also know that that's going to change. Yeah. It's going to be temporary and it's going to change. And you have to roll with the changes of what's going to happen, what's going to yeah. come and what's not. So as much as as much as I've kind of been through in my life, a head head on car crash in 1982 when the comedy club Chuckles opened up. I was there at the opening night. This is before my mother died. I came back on Spur Drive South in Bayshore. It's a 15 mile an hour. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a snaky road. Well, I'm coming back in the middle of the night, and these two guys decide to get into a car race. They got hot rods. They took up both lanes. It's about 11.30 at night. They come flying around this corner. The guy on the left hits a car before me. That car goes into the woods. Then he hits me head on. The other guy leaves the scene. They were doing 85 miles an hour in a 15. I walked. I The car was so folded back and the engine was in the back seat. I walked out the front of the car full of blood. Didn't realize what a mess I was. I get out of the car, I walk up to the first house where there was a family just watching TV. I knock on the door, the woman opens the door and she starts screaming and crying. Now I'm in shock. So I said, excuse me, can I use your phone? And I walk into the kitchen, it's all lit up and I'm, I'm, there's blood everywhere. I'm (laughs) blood everywhere. And now I, I walk in, I like the phone was on the wall. It was like the wire phone, you know? And I look in the living room and there's a family of kids and a father was there. And I go, hi, I'm just going to, she said I could use your phone. Now the guy's like, oh my God, the kids start screaming. And there's, cause there's a bloody guy yeah. in their kitchen now using their phone. First thing I did is call home. My brother, my father, my mother. And I said, my father answered. I said, dad, I was in a car crash on Spur Drive South, right by behind the South Shore Mall. Can you do me a favor and just come get me? The car's a little banged up. I, I said, thank you. And the one thing I do remember is hanging up the phone. It was a white phone. And the blood, like oh. all over the white foam. And I said, thank you. I walked out the front, collapsed, boom. Next thing I remember is waking up in an emergency room in the hospital. But my brother got there, and my brother was punching the other guy for hitting me head on. And I thought my parents were there and everything. I don't remember this. He picked up my girlfriend, and uh, who's my wife now, and she showed up at the accident. But another thing I came out of, you know what I mean? So, again, there's there are things that are going to F you up, and there are reasons why... Things, things, things are placed there to f you up. Yeah, they say that the greater the struggle, the greater the victory. Right. Kind of um, makes you think of the butterflies. I mean, it's funny you brought those up because you know, um, when I used to teach and you used to do those uh, experiments with the right. kids with the butterflies, and yeah. they they always want to run over and open up the cocoon too early to let the butterfly. Out. Right. They always want to help. Right. Right. Wanna help. I got We gotta help them. But if, if you do that, they can't fly and they die. Right. Right. So they have to go through that struggle. Yeah. Because without that struggle. They wouldn't be able to fly yeah. and live and be able to do what they're supposed to do. So sometimes we don't realize the struggles that we're going through are actually preparing us for the person we're supposed to be and also the people we're supposed to help. So it's not always things are just happening to us. It's not always that they're just happening for us, which I believe things are, but I believe they are also happening through us right? so that as we go through these struggles, we have the ability to help some other people. Well, so all, it's all we got. Which is why you've been able to help so many other comedians because anywhere I go, when I, when, I, when I see different comedians, I see that. I mean, they hold you in the highest regard and, and the impact that you've made in their life and, and being able to mentor them. Like, what, what do you see when a, uh, uh, 
what what comes across your heart when you see this comedian come in and this person go? Because I mean, I've sat in some shows and you just you're like, man, that's a, it's it's got to be one of the <clears throat> toughest things in the world to do to teach stand a man up to there. fish. Whew. Teach a man to fish. Don't hand yeah. him a fish. You know what I mean? Like I, I mentor a lot of comedians want to become warm up people now. Yeah. Now I do warm up for TV shows, which is like the green beret of stand up comedy. I'm like the foremost warm up guy in the country right now wow. in LA and New York. Yeah. Because I can do sitcoms, daytime shows, nighttime shows, uh, AGT, uh, five thousand people. I, I did it in Radio City <clears throat> when Howard Stern was on it and stuff. I warmed up Howard Stern's birthday party because when. Uh, Dennis Nafty has a show, a television show. It's not my show. I'm the rodeo clown. I'm the butler. I'm going to welcome his audience. Yeah. I'm going to give him, a, I'm going to do a Dennis Nafty flavor and welcome them into his house yeah. and make these people, whether it's Rachel Ray, Rosie O'Donnell, Martha Stewart, uh, John Stewart, whoever I've worked with, I make this audience ready to see what you're going to present to them. Now, when I do stand-up, it's my house. Yeah. So now I'm going to say and do what I want to do to what I think is funny to uh, to, to make them laugh in, in my house. So it's two different worlds that yeah. I have. The warm-up for 25 years, stand-up for 38 years. Mm. You know, and luckily I've been able to make a living at it. I own a house, I, you know, I got nice cars and like physical things, but I never really wanted... When I was a kid, I dreamt about having a built-in pool and a boat and a, and a room with a fireplace in it. That was the three material things that I wanted. I got the den with a fireplace, so in the winter I sit in front of a fire, and the summertime we go in the pool. I had the boat, that was it for a little while, that was enough, it's a lot of work, I couldn't get on it, you know? But um, it was fun, because I grew up fishing and clamming and crabbing on the Great South Bay, which is still my biggest joy, and one of my favorite, if not my favorite place to be, I mean, besides Disney World or Hawaii, or Italy, we just went to Italy, my wife and I celebrated 31 years being married. Wow, congratulations. And, uh, I know I'm gaining weight, but everywhere I went, people went, Prego. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got to do that, but the Great South Bay on the South Shore of Long Island is still, I'll always hold it here because when my we would go fishing there every weekend, we'd go to that little point there, my brother, my father, and I would go fishing, and my mother would come with us, and my mother, Italian from Brooklyn, would eat anything we pulled out of that water. You throw, we didn't even know, couldn't even <laughs> identify, we didn't know what kind of fish they were, but she, my father would fillet it, she'd throw garlic and oil with it, and we, you, you would have thought it was a banquet to her. It was the, it was, it was a, a banquet at the greatest. Catering hall in the world when we when we did that wow. and they eat clams on the half show we dig them you know and get the clams and she'd make clam chowder or whatever and it was a banquet me seeing how much joy she got out of that I became a fisherman yeah. so I still surf cast off the beach and everything not as much anymore a because I don't have a lot of people to give the fish to yeah. and um, and I just don't have the the time or the energy to really because it also. Um, I had Bell's palsy back May 18th. Mm -hmm. I got Bell's palsy. And I, um, wow. My whole, the whole, I woke up and the whole right side of my face was down to my neck. I had no feeling at all. And this was uh, eight, eight, nine months ago. And um, <clears throat> I thought I was having a stroke. So my wife said, you're not, she tested me. You're not having a stroke. Let's get to the doctor. Full Bell's palsy. And I thought it was career ending. So that was another thing that effed me Just up. Just eight months ago. Eight months ago. Did you get I up finished, and do I, anything? I finished Rachel Ray um, on the first week of May. So then the next day I start my spring planting. So I started getting plants and digging up the garden and stuff. So May 17th, I worked up a sweat. And they don't know if it's a virus or, it's, or the, the wives' tales that a cold breeze hits you. 
So I got a bunch of plants. I'm putting them in the ground. And I worked up a sweat. And I, I needed more plants. So I drive back to the nursery. Now, I jump in the car. And I'm dripping sweat. And it was hot out. I put the air conditioner right on my head. Like, right on me. I need to cool off, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm type A. I'm like this. Yeah. Like, I want to cool down now. So I get to the nursery. I come back. And I realize, hmm, I'm a little bit cold. Let me shut this air conditioner down. I planted the plants. And then we had. I took a shower. I had dinner. Sitting on the couch. Watching Wheel of Fortune. And my wife. I said to my wife. Do you hear that bag? Is somebody crinkling a bag in your ear? You hear that? She says, no. What are you talking about? I go, it sounds like someone's crinkling up a paper bag right in my right ear. She goes, I don't know what that is. So we go to bed that night. And next day I wake up. And I wake up a couple like this. My face was down here. No lines. And the pain, right? I know my father-in-law no, had it. He said there was a lot of pain. There were, later on, pain came because okay. this nerve here and the nerves that start here yeah. and go down and around, you start to feel them after a while. And that took about three or four weeks. Everything else was numb. Okay. It was like Novocaine. So we go to the doctor. You got full-blown... Uh, you know, and I actually had, I could I had to cancel work a week at the Bulgata I canceled comedy clubs all over the tri-state area I had to cancel because I couldn't talk I was talking like this I could, anything that began with P or F I couldn't talk so as a matter of fact I, I made it a joke in my act I incorporated it into yeah. my act I said I was down in the south I had to get flip-flops I couldn't say flip-flop and, and when you have Bell's palsy the hardest two words to say when you have Bell's palsy is Bell's palsy what do you have? I got Bell's palsy so because everything was dead so what yeah. happened was because I was going to be off from work I figured I got a wooden deck on the side of my house. I had this plastic stuff covering it for years. It was heat, um, pressure treated wood, yeah. you know, which lasts forever. There's no bugs. I said, let me pull this plastic stuff off. When the kids were little, I didn't want them to get splinters or anything. Yeah. So I pulled it off. I want to see what the wood looked like. The wood was phenomenal. <laughs> it was a little bit green. I said, holy shit, I'm going to sand this wood down and put stuff down. I am going to make, I'm off now. I can't work because the belt's yeah. ballsy. Let me do this wood. So I get this stuff called 30 seconds. It's like a bleach stuff you mix with water. You put it down, you scrub, you hit it with the hose, and all the green mold or whatever's there gets wiped out, and the wood looks phenomenal. So I put that down, and then I buy a belt sander, and I'm sanding every plank, because I'm going to make this look like the greatest teak wood thing in the world, right? My brother comes over, and he goes, dude, you know the whole neighborhood smells like bleach now, right? And I go, because of the Bell's palsy, I can't smell. So I can't taste, I can't smell, nothing. I can't hear, nothing. I didn't know that everything smelled like bleach. I smelled it a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. He goes, you're outdoors. The whole neighborhood smells <laughs> like bleach. And you have a little mask on, a little paper mask, but you're sanding down stuff where that was put down 20 years ago, the, heat, the pressure-treated wood, that has arsenic in it. Arsenic is poison. So now... Not only do I have the bleach in, but I'm sanding down and the stuff's getting in poison. Anyway, my wife said, stop, shut it down. We're going to hire somebody. Next day, I wake up. I, I'm having problems breathing. So my wife says, don't do anything today. Take a nap this afternoon. Chill out. Well, I take a nap at 3 o'clock. I wake up at 5. She gets home at 5.10, 5.15. I wake up, can't breathe at all. Not only can't I breathe, but I got chest pains. So I go, this is it. I'm going to have a massive heart attack. I can't breathe. I'm going down. There's nothing more embarrassing than calling 911 on yourself. So I called the cops and the ambulance came right up on the front lawn. Typical Nassau County cops. You're an idiot. What are you guys, bleach everywhere like that? <laughs> so they throw me in the ambulance. They bring me over. They give me albuterol in the hospital. They kept me overnight. Um, but I almost poisoned myself too. So I hired these two guys, $500. They did the whole deck in an hour. 
which is what I should have did, but I wanted to do it myself. So, But you never know when something's going to pop. I have a stent in because four years ago I was shoveling in, in front of my house. In March, it was like 11 degrees out, and I get a pain in my jaw, like someone was pushing my jaw. So I go, I go to bed that night. I wake up the next day, and it's getting more intense, more intense. And finally, I said to my wife, i got to go to the hospital. I don't know what's happening with the jaw. I think i got something wrong with my jaw. Maybe it's a tooth thing or something. I walk into Northwell over in Plainville, Plainview and I go, there's something wrong with my jaw. And the lady right away, code blue, boom, guy's having a heart attack. So because anything from your belly button to the top of your head, any symptom, that could be heart attack. Wow. They do EKGs on me. That comes back normal. My heart doctor comes in the next day. They kept me overnight. And they said, we got to address this jaw pain because that's hard. I said, okay, what do you want to do? A CT scan, they could put dye in you, or we could go in through your wrist or your groin, send the camera and a light up in there, see what's going on, and handle it right there. I yeah. said, I want to do that. So when you want to come back tomorrow? He goes, no, we're going right now. Puts me in an ambulance, takes me over to Manhasset. They got a building. Sure enough, they went in through here. Boom, boom, boom. I had one. My Widowmaker artery was 80% blocked. <sighs> Went in, but wow, now you're awake while they're doing this. You're a little sedated. You get really cold and you get really hot because of these chemicals yeah. they're putting in you. But the doctor was very happy. Young guy, looked like yeah. Jonah Hill, this kid. <laughs> now, he's the daughter of the of the, my my I mean the son of the the hot guy that I usually use. And he was like happy. He's like this is he's like yes yes. And I go, why are you saying yes? He goes, because you only got one. You only got one little blockage. It's eighty percent already. You still got twenty percent going. I'll put a stent in there and you're fine. There's a couple other things that are like forty percent blocked, yeah. but they're not ones to worry about. Yeah. So that happened too. Wow. So if you let more time go by, who knows? That's the widowmaker. Well, some, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Something's coming at all of us. Well, you definitely have had your fair share of stuff that's happened to you. Yeah. I mean, just summing up some of the things we already talked about. I mean, having your legs messed up uh, at birth and then, you know, getting this tick bite and having uh, Rocky Mountain spider fever, extremely rare uh, disease. And then, you know, having your, your mom pass away in a car crash. And then you got in this crazy car crash and... Just thinking back to it, you walking into this person's house and kids looking. I was just imagining this is like a, a horror film happening. Yeah. Blood dripping down. And they're wondering who's in my house to uh, going from there to having a heart attack, um, you know, and then having Bell's palsy and then almost uh, poisoning yourself. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Meanwhile, in the mix of it all, still doing comedy, still doing what you had to do, still providing for your family, right. still spending time with your family and all of other life struggles that may come at you, the just normal day in, day out things that happen. Yeah. So I can imagine comedy helped you learn how to deal with all these effed up circumstances because you have to take on a lot of critics, take on a lot of rejection. So how'd you deal with the critics? Because you get criticized. Uh, Listen. You get viewed more than probably most... All professions. So how did how did you deal with that? Because some people can't, you know, they they're they're afraid of what one person thinks. And, and my my belief, and I heard someone say it only a couple like a month ago, uh, David Melton, and it, it shook my world. He said, "I'd rather people hate me for who I am than love me for who I'm not." There you go. And I was like, yeah. "Holy cow!" But I how'd you deal with that. with that criticism? You make coffee light, or you make it dark. If I make it dark, people like dark. They're gonna eat, drink the dark. If they don't make it light. When I get hired for a warm-up gig, I'm with this Murphy Brown now. I was with Kevin James for a while. Um, you know, I say to the producers that are hiring me, I say, listen, this is this is what I do. Yeah. If you don't like me, tell me. I, I'm not I'm not your guy. I'm not your flavor. Yeah. You know, but if I am, I'll give you all I got. And that's it. That's all you can do. You can be true to yourself. 
I mean, you can bend a little bit here and there, but uh, if you if you see that, all right, because you know I, who you are, you you got your value system. You have takes a while that you to think get are to that too. And and, yeah. and if it's not for somebody, you're not shifting your values and and to to mold into something else. My own father, you know, when when I was starting out, eighty eighty one, Eddie Murphy was big, and he was Eddie Murphy was dirty. But I knew him when he was in the clubs. You know, my my father said to me at one point, you know, why you got to be like that, Eddie Murphy? You know what I mean? Why you got to be? You you got you don't have to use that language. You don't have to do this. First of all, nowhere in the Bible does it say "thou shalt not say" f word. "Thou shalt not yeah. say." If I got to get my point across intensely and I got to use certain words, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have to because there's a lot of people that, that word are, didn't even exist back then. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that are not using those words now that are as criminal as anybody. Yeah. And you can go into not only the Catholic Church but any other church right now and find people that are committing major crimes and abuses towards humanity and kids. So I don't care. If I got to use a certain word to get into your brain to, to do what I think is right, again, I'm no angel. I'm not yeah. a saint. I'm no angel. I'm far from it. But at least I recognize that and I know which way that I want to go on, uh, which direction I want to go to. Now, um, you got to lay, again, getting back to what you were originally saying, I want to, you got to lay your guard down. Um, when you're vulnerable, again, once you're vulnerable and you say, I don't care, that's when the freedom comes. That's when the true freedom comes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to be who I am. And when you dig into any, look at anybody, political, uh, show business, whatever it is, yeah. when you dig into anybody's past or whatever, once you see how vulnerable they are, once you get into that real person, that's when you make more of a connection to that person. When they become someone who's just a movie star, who's just a politician, who's just some kind of figurehead, then you're like, oh, I, I could see that statue. But I, you walk by a statue. Yeah. When a statue reaches out for, to you and touches you, then you're like, oh, you know, I might have something in common with that. I want to learn more about what's that. And that's the thing. You have to, have, you have to know that you want to learn more. Because believe me, I'm as lazy as anybody. Give me, I'll sleep for, you let me sleep for 14 hours straight. I will at what, some point. Just sometimes I go, just leave me alone. You, uh, you and me be, both. You know? We, we should cuddle. Yeah, right? Yeah. We, we should cuddle. <laughs> we'll spoon each other later. Yeah. I was... So, but, but the thing is, you got to, if you, once you get out of that laziness bracket, yeah. you know? So, and then you feel sorry for yourself too, which is another thing that I do. I'm, oh, I, yeah. I'm fat because whenever I, when I eat, I'm in the Bahamas. That's, and that's, that's a way of self-healing for me. You know, yeah. it makes me feel good. I love pasta, meatballs, and my thing, chocolate. Forget about it. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, and if you get on social media, if I get on social media, I, I can I could easily start getting depressed looking at what everybody yeah, else is doing. Yeah, because everybody's and, negative and know? they're all wrong. Like everybody's kind of wrong. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want to say they're all wrong, but I want to say that that they they're chasing things that are not realistic. So yeah. Um, me for me in particular, it's it's kind of food that I like to self medicate and. Um, and that's it. Yeah, it's you know, and and it's trying to compare yourself. You don't have to compare yourself. It's you know, they, no. they say you know the the root of destruction is in the seat of comparison. Like, yeah, you got to be who you are. If you're happy, that you don't you don't yeah. have to be what somebody else is. Your value systems are different. You know, it's a, that's where they really got it. You got to lock down and say, what's important to me? Where right. do I really want to be? What do I want my life to look like? Because I shouldn't be judging what I want based upon what yeah. somebody else is yeah. doing. Um, I got to be happy with knowing that every day. I'm living up to the things that are important to me, and every day you're gonna fall short. Yeah, you're, you know, it, you know. I know for myself, sometimes I'll set these big goals, and I try and go from zero to a hundred, and then you know, you get forty percent of the way, and you're like, oh, I missed sixty percent of what I was supposed to do yesterday. But and you get down on yourself, and then you do nothing the next day, as opposed to just saying, hey, I got forty percent done. Let me do forty-one tomorrow. 
Let me do there 42 to the next day and just do a little bit more than I did. And relating it to the comedy know. world, if I write new bits that don't that don't do well, like yeah. I got I got bits that I know in my act that I know work. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I do my grandfather laughing thing, I do the cat noise. I got certain bits that have been <laughs> tried and true that really really work. Yeah. But when I start when I write a new bit and I go, oh man, I think this is gonna be funny, and you go up at an audition night or whatever and you do it and nobody laughs, you're like. Man, I was way off. And then when that happens like five or six times in a row, you're like, am I even funny anymore? I'm not even a funny guy. What are you doing? You look at yourself in the mirror and you go, I'm not even a funny guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what are you thinking of? Like, I got this new bit and John Anthony knows about it that I've been working on for years about um, my Indian. Well, I, I create a scenario from it. But this Indian guy, um, he said to me... Um, I'll give you the gist of the bit. He, I, I make it that he's my neighbor, Bobby. And I, is it yeah, really? I, I've heard the rabbits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too many bunnies. You know what I mean? <laughs> he said to me, he goes, uh, too many bunnies. And I go, too many bunnies? How could it ever be too many bunnies? There could be a thousand bunnies there. It wouldn't be enough for me. I want to I know. I said, there's one bunny. Well, what pissed him off? Did he get to three and go, I can't take it. I can't take it. There's too many bunnies. There. And what? That's his fight. With all that's going on in the world right now, that's his gripe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like what else does he Does he see rainbow and go, God, every time every time it rains, I can't believe it. I got to look at these colors. And another butterfly. Another butterfly. Like, what is he, you know? And that's a true story. The guy, yeah. This guy said to me, too oh. many bunnies, too many bunnies. <laughs> Can there ever be too many bunnies? Like, how many are there? I, I got excited because I saw one that day. Oh, you know, how many bunnies are in this world? Does he go in the house and is a house full of bunnies? You, I don't understand it. So luckily that bit worked. But for every one, one that I get of those, there's 10 more ideas that I try that have to go by the wayside. It's all yeah. trial and error as far as stand-up comedy yeah. goes. And I do, I've been doing it so long now that I have a following that people request bits. If you go see yeah. Pink Floyd, if they don't say play comfortably numb, you're pissed. If you don't see James Taylor doesn't play Fire and Rain, you're pissed. You know yeah. what I mean? So I got to do the bits that they've seen over the years and throw some new stuff in. So that's the struggle. Yeah, bring back those good I memories. Have. I mean, I, I, I learned that... Um, you know, because as as a speaker and going in and speaking to multiple audiences, right? And you know, we've spoken all over the world. Yeah. And, uh, we we speak so many times, right? Sometimes you go, you've heard it so many times yourself. Yeah. Even though you forget that maybe that person didn't hear it, or that that's what they want to hear. Yeah. So it's like you're always trying to come up with new stuff. I know I'm always trying to put something in a different angle. Yeah. And I remember you just uh, I got the inspiration from the WWE. You know, because if you watched, you know, The right. Rock would come out. Every time we do the same thing. Do you right. smell what the and, yeah. and people love it. They wait they for it. They it. want that same thing every time. They, you don't always have yeah. to come up with something new because yeah. that's what people are waiting for. Because they have a nostalgia value. Yeah, is what I call it. They yeah. have a nostalgia value with a band, with a song, with a. I actually have it with Disney World. You know, that yeah. my it was the only vacation we ever went on because my parents didn't have a lot of money, so we went down there. We have a great memory of that. Plus, watching the wonderful world of Disney at night and everything. So when I go to Disney World. Having been there as a kid with my parents, I have this nostalgia value yeah. that I connect to that that makes me happy. Yeah. You know? Um, so you were saying that with that warm-up. I like I like to call it a pre-game warm-up, right? When, yeah, I, yeah, when yeah. I played lacrosse where everybody had their warm-up, right? Every athlete, some of the big guys, some of the guys would knock their heads against the you know, the yeah, lockers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, get would, excited. they would hit each other. I was yeah. a small guy, so I didn't want to be hit by anybody. I'm like, nah, yeah. I'm okay, you yeah. know. Um, don't hurt me, <laughs> you know, right before the game. I just want yeah. to sit there and and mull stuff over, but everybody has that pregame talking to themselves, building themselves up. What what was what's your pregame kind of like before you go up on stage? Music. Okay. I listen to yeah. certain songs. Yeah, I, I like Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. uh, blues. You know Stevie Ray Vaughan. So I li I listen to him. 
Um, but I like all kinds of music. The other the other night it was uh, uh, Engelbert Humperdinck. Tell me quando, quando, quando. You know, so, uh, or uh, I, listened, I listened to Everclear the other day, uh, Eminem a little bit. I listen to every kind of music. A lot of it is music, you know, or uh, some whatever I get inspiration from, you know. Uh, when I'm driving to the gig, usually it's a piece of chocolate, <laughs> piece of chocolate. And, uh, but you have those anchors. You have those things that put yeah. you put yeah. you into that mental state, right? Because yeah. you know, uh, motion leads to emotion, right? So you right. take that motion, and yeah. you know, it leads to yeah. that emotion to put you in that right state. And you never know; anything could happen at any moment. Last February, before I got the Bell's palsy, listen to this. Dig this now. I'm driving to a gig. I did like eight Rachel Ray shows. And um, I I had the, the Friday uh, it was Friday night now I did I do Rachel Tuesday Wednesday Thursday three shows a day get up at five thirty I'm in the city by seven thirty I'm there to like sometimes six six o'clock seven o'clock by the time I'm home it's eight nine o'clock and it's grueling three nobody does three shows a day we're doing twenty one segments a, a a day most people do that in three days Rachel is the hardest working person that I know I've never seen any other human being go at the level that Rachel Ray goes because she's got not only the TV show she's got food network shows she's designing furniture cookware charities 29 million to the nutrition the cat and dog food to go to animal shelters that's forget about the harvest uh, no child hungry feeding people so she goes at such a level so I'm with her I, yeah. wherever she goes I gotta go with her Yeah. so in the studio. So it was a lot. And I'm working Friday night now. Now I got to switch gears because now I'm doing my own show at night. Now, it wasn't a Joey Cola show. It was just a comedy show at a White Corp Fire Department in New Jersey. I picked up my friend Richie Byrne who warms up the Dr. Oz show. Okay. I trained him for that. So it's two buddies that know each other 30 years, driving to a gig, working for my friend Bobby Gonzo, who books these rooms all over New Jersey. And my friend Mike Marino is going to be there. He's another great comedian who's a headliner, but he wanted to hang out with us that night. Yeah. He happened to be there. So we get to the gig, and Mike says, Listen, I'm off. I'll, I'll MC the thing. I'll do 10, 15 minutes up front. I'll bring Richie up. He'll do a half hour. I'll do 10 minutes in between. Joey, I'll bring you up. You do a half hour. We're going to eat. We'll have a drink or something. And that's the night. It's a bunt. It's easy. Yeah. It's an easy gig. It's You don't even have to think about it. But I had already been tired. Um, I came off a beta blocker that from my heart. My doctor put me on a beta blocker. Uh, just 12 milligrams. But I didn't realize the beta blocker is also an anti-anxiety medicine. I've been off it for almost eight, between eight days and two weeks at this point. So Mike goes up, does his time, brings up Richie. He does well, does 10 more minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Cola. Again, tired, no beta blocker, a little bit drained. Ladies and gentlemen, now I'm doing stand-up comedy for 38 years. <laughs> Never missed a show. I've only missed three shows my whole, and it's not even my fault from like weather things. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Cola. I get on stage, grab the mic, forget my act completely. Gone. 37 years gone. 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 Yeah, 38. Gone. 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 Now, my act is modular. There's this bit, this bit, this bit. You can move them around like this. But there's three ways to get into the act, which is the Long Island Expressway. There's three on-ramps. Yeah. I could say, look how fat I am. It's, it's, cold, uh, it's, it's cold, but I actually like the winter for two or three, two reasons. And I get into it that way. Or I can talk about my wife and kids. There's three. I couldn't come up with words that got me into my act. The same act pretty much, that I've been doing for 38 years. So now, my friends that are there see me 
They're like, what is he doing? What's going on? I got 500 people in front of me. I'm on big screens, big audio. Everything's around me. I'm at a, I'm at a YMCA, but it's like a, like a huge, looks like a huge uh, high school gymnasium. Stage is high and everything. Spotlights are on me. And I'm like, I got nothing. And it's in front of cops, and, uh, cops ambulance, hospital workers, and firemen. Who aren't when they start drinking? Be funny, asshole. You know, like that. So I'm like, I'm trying. So my friend, my friend Danny, who was there, he comes up on stage and gets a, gives me water, and he goes, "Are you okay, man? Are you okay?" I go, "Yeah, just give me a sip of water. Put the sip of water down." And now my friend Bobby Gonzo and my friend Richie are going, "Do the cat bit. Do the grandfather bit. Do this bit. Do that bit." And I'm like, I got nothing. So Mike Marino comes back on stage and goes, "Listen, give me the mic." He goes, Get, "Let's hear it for him. He had the flu tonight." He didn't know he was going to try to do it, but he can't do it. Give it up for Joey Cole. I walk off. We get our coats. We drive home. Within 15 minutes, Richie jumped in a car with me. We're on our way home. Mike closed out the show. He did the headlining spot. Within 15 minutes on the way home, my whole act came back to me. I did it twice for him in the car on the way home. I suffered something called a transient global amnesia episode. I went to three doctors, a neuro guy. They did a scan on my brain. Everything was fine. So I went to this guy, Dr. Montoni in, in Garden City. And he says, he goes, were you on a beta block? He said, yeah. He goes, you came off the beta blocker too soon. You were tired. You're not eating. And he goes, tell me your schedule. I told him my schedule. He goes, dude, you got three jobs you're doing full time. And you're a stand-up comic. The pressure that comes with that alone besides the other stuff you're doing. Because I get the Murphy Browns yeah. and all this other stuff is going on. So he goes, you got to chill out. You got to just relax a little bit and you got to hydrate and you got to you got to get it together. He goes, "Now, I did some research on my own. Transient global amnesia can happen. It happens to most people a little bit older, but it could happen to anybody. It usually happens once. But it happens he, when I went to this doctor, he said it happened to a ball player. A new he's not he didn't tell me who, but he's the doctor to Mets, Yankees, other ball players. Yeah. He said there was a ball player in the batter's box with half a count, like two balls and a strike. And he goes, he says, let me step out of the box. He tells the umpire, um, what am I doing? He had, to, he had to leave the game. He told his coach, I, I forgot how to hit. Could you imagine being in front of like a, a stadium or a group of people and you're batting and you forget how to hit? They had to take him out of the game. He wouldn't tell me who it was or wow. anything like that. But then he started saying that the doctors, when they've got to give speeches in front of people, they'll take a beta blocker, 12.5 milligrams or whatever it is. It stops you from having a, a, a massive heart attack. And it is also an anti-anxiety thing. I didn't know about the anti-anxiety until this happened. I thought it was just, they were just giving me that along with yeah. my, my statin that I take to keep my cholesterol low and everything. And knock on wood, my numbers have all been fine. But that happened too. And then I got Bell's palsy. And then I poisoned myself. So what's next, baby? <laughs> <laughs> but you walked away and you know, you maybe were a little down on yourself, but you 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 came back because I'm going back in February. I'm going back in February, unannounced, to headline that room to rectify it in my own head. Yeah. I'm gonna show those people this is what you should have got that night. Instead, this happened to me, and I'm gonna explain it at the end of the half hour. I'm gonna say, guys, I was here a year ago. You might, some of you might know me, but this is what happened to me, and I'm gonna do my act because I'm fine. Because yeah. the next night I did a sold house, a sold out house at Governors. That was a Friday. I had Governors already sold out Saturday night. Three hundred people coming to see me. 
So I told the, the other two guys on the show, I said, listen, this happened to me last night. You guys better get ready to jump on stage <laughs> because if this happens again, I'm in deep trouble. Yeah. So not only did I do my whole act, I did an hour, but I did 10 minutes of new material. So it went away. Transient Global Amnesia episode. Look it up. It's the, it's the I'm gonna scariest thing. I'm going to have to write that down to be able to look it up. Yeah. I'm it's hurt. a scary, <laughs> scary thing, man. Whew, that's that's incredible. Well, it's definitely been an absolute pleasure um, getting yeah. to spend some time with you and it, having this. Man, my I honor a lot. to be we here. We learned about you. everything. Everything. We man. can keep on going. We'll we, do yeah, it again we, soon, yeah, man. Yeah, we got we to have a yeah. follow-up to this. Yeah, yeah. No questions at all. Can you give us a little bit? I, I love you. You mentioned it. I love... The voice you do of of your wife and your kids. My, well, I do my daughter. Uh, can we get yes. a dog, Daddy? I want to get a dog. They get a dog. Why can we get a dog? I want to get a dog. A what? A dog. A dog. I want to get a dog. A dog. My wife's voice is a little bit higher pitch. Give me a dog, honey. Give me a dog. I got him a dog. I do my grandfather laughing. You, you don't know if he's going to black out, cave in, and throw up on you. This is my grandfather laughing. <laughs> You stand in front of this guy going, oh my God, he's going to die right here. But there's always some aunt going, leave him alone. Can't you see he's having a good time? He's having a good time. My Aunt Teresa from Queens who says, Joseph, it's going to get cold out. Make sure you close your windows. My what? Your windows. Close. That's a word in Queens. Windows. You mean my windows? Yeah, your windows. She's like a bee at a picnic. <laughs> and that also is similar to my cat noise. My cat woke me up the other day. I heard this in my kitchen. It always ends like that. <laughs> this was great, man. I'm glad Absolutely. we were able to do it. So where are you going from here? Where's Where's Joey Cole going from uh, here? I don't know when this is going to air, but this weekend I'll be at Bananas Comedy Club in uh, three shows in New Jersey. Then I'll be back on Long Island doing clubs. JoeyCole.com. All the club dates are there. I finish up with Murphy Brown, and hopefully we get another season next year. Warming up that in Queens at Coffin Astoria Studios, and uh, back with the Rachel Ray Show. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. Well, and I, starting my own podcast starting in January. Oh, well, I'm excited yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you'll come and be a guest on my podcast. Absolutely. Because I know you picked my brain, but I want to pick yours a little bit. Oh, next it'd time. be an honor. It'd be an honor. Uh, it's been a pleasure sharing with you. Thank you for being on this Thank show. Thank you for having me, man. And we just want you to know, everybody, you're not that effed up because you're we're not. all effed up. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different degrees, but we're all effed up. That's it. So thanks for having me, man. I appreciate uh, it. Absolutely. Let's go eat. <laughs>